0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. This week, myself and my esteemed colleagues are going to discuss everything that is the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And today we have special guest, New England comic, owner-operator of HotCast Studios, and wrestling aficionado, Nathan Burke! Woo!
1: That's me, I'm Nathan
0: Burke. (laughs) So today, uh, we're gonna discuss the world of professional wrestling, uh, mainly in regards to the WWE, and, uh... We're going to talk a little bit about SummerSlam, which happened last week, uh, recap that, and then discuss uh, some of our top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, why don't we start off by giving a little bit of background info to the layman who uh, might not be familiar uh, with uh, some of the terminology that will be discussed today.
1: All right. Well, I'll, I'll just um, mention a few Basic uh, terminology for pro wrestling, hopefully, you know, uh, as we go along, if we bring up something that I don't mention, I'll explain it on the spot. But uh, basically things like heel and face are uh, terms to describe, like it comes from baby face. Some people say baby face or, you know, uh, heel is a bad guy. Face is a good guy. So if you say like heel turn or face turn is sort of describing when someone goes from being a good Breaking guy to Breaking bad person. or yeah, exactly. or vice versa. Breaking bad was like a heel turn yeah. type of, uh, <laughs> thing. Exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, if a heel is a bad guy, a villain, good guy's face or baby face, uh, or the hero of the story that's being told, like the story arcs that they like to tell stories, they say in WWE. Oh, it's uh, the best American soap opera you'll ever come across. It really is. It really is. I'll defend it to my death. Uh, things like work. A work is like, uh, basically just describes the, the act of, of faking something. Faking like the, uh, like, if someone's like, oh, is that, is that real? And they're like, no, it's a work. Like it's a work. Like that's the job they're trying to, a, a job is sort of a separate term that means like you, you're losing to a guy, putting someone over. Is another term that describes that you enhance the other guy's character by losing to them, that's as opposed a, to bending someone over. That's a whole different. Yeah, it's thing. a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, the, that other half-naked men may do. We'll discuss that in a different podcast. <laughs> but, but um, <laughs> yeah. So a a work is is like a work and a shoot. A shoot means like it's real. Which a lot of people say like, oh, is that a shoot? I don't know if that's a work. You know. Uh, work means it 's like fake um but rarely it 's a shoot rarely there 's an actual shoot going on, but that 's sort of like the the um uh, the dynamic that a lot of pro wrestling tries to create is that suspension of disbelief where you 're not sure if it 's real or not, and sometimes they 'll throw you a lot of curveballs and maybe try to make something seem very real when it 's in fact a work fake. Or, uh, another term to describe a work is, uh, kayfabe. Which is, uh, I actually, not entirely sure, I knew this at one time, where that word actually came from. I think it's like an old, it's an old carnival term, actually, uh, that means, um, uh, just, like, uh, in character. Like, oh, so, oh, okay. in the, in the being, like, staying in character, keeping, keeping that suspension of disbelief going. Like, uh, for instance, a lot of old wrestlers, they don't really do this anymore, but they would, like, the heels would all travel together and the faces would travel in a separate car. That's so, a riot. That's awesome. And they'd stay in hotels, like, separate hotels, or at least, like, you know, separate parts of the hotel, because so this, they didn't want them mixing.
2: So this is pretty much just staying in character outside of the arena or realm around mm-hmm. the actual ring and the actual wrestling. Yeah. So, like, you're in public and you're in Walmart and some kids, like, I hate you and he's like oh yeah Bra <laughs> and then right. you scare the little
1: kid right yeah. a lot of those older wrestlers are we're great at keep staying in character not breaking kayfabe well, yeah. I think a
0: lot of those old wrestlers were also very drunk uh <laughs> a lot of the time as well. Yeah. And and that probably helped add to the uh, uh the charisma that you might have seen outside of the ring. But
2: coking yeah. steroids and right. booze? And there yeah, there's That like was sort of the trifecta especially in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I you can be really charismatic to if to you're something. if you're you're coked up. <laughs> big time
0: or, yeah. up on, or hopped up on any, any kind of a, speed a or... lot of
1: those guys definitely were and you could see it in the promos if you go back and watch some of those promos you're like there's no way Ultimate Warrior isn't on coke right now or Randy, or Randy Savage, Savage. Yeah.
0: he's another popular one yeah even Hogan I think
1: oh yeah yeah just bug eyed let me tell you something
2: <laughs> let me tell you something bro <laughs> <laughs> take your vitamins
1: <laughs> say your prayers take your vitamins
2: um yeah,
1: so uh there's, uh, I want to, let's see, other terms that might go along with that kayfabe. There's, there's like, hundreds of stories of wrestlers, you know, like, going up to, like, they didn't want to be mean to, like, kids or something like that. But, but they, they had, had to. Be, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: the, like, I'm not going to give you my autograph, kid. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> Speaking of. He's uh, like, that guy's a dick. <laughs> He's like, yes, exactly, I am. Keep believing that. Keep believing that <laughs> and we're gonna make more money. It's like your job is to be hated. It's great. It's, you know, <laughs> so, so, you know, it increases pay-per-view buys when you see the hero, your Hulk Hogan, finally beat the, the heel, that bad guy that you saw, that you
0: saw at the mall that time and he didn't give you an autograph. Riggs, exactly. Uh, one of the, you know, not to get up too far off topic, uh, you guys got a lot of ground to cover here, but uh, uh, one of the, the wrestlers, uh, that was really good at that, uh, I remember was, was Ted DiBiase, mm-hmm. the million dollar man. I, I remember a promo he did where there was this like young, like four year old kid, like, like yeah. dribbling a basketball and he it's just like knocks the basketball out of his hand and just yeah. being like just a, a jerk for no reason. Like, it was something <laughs>
1: like he had to bounce it. A certain number of times, and then on like the last one, he kicked it away. Oh, right, right. And, he, and he'd give him like a hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: yeah, and he didn't give him anything. <laughs> he just laughed, laughing. <laughs> <his face. laughs> money, <laughs> money, 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 money. Yeah, he, 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 that was a great dun, character.
1: Doom, doom. He absolutely epitomized like that eighties like greed.
0: Oh yeah, you was you know you should have been on my list. It's just there's so many good characters and wrestlers. But uh yeah, it just popped into my head when you mentioned that. Anyways, and, yeah, they
1: actually they actually hired him from I think it was AWA at the time, like to come in and do Ted DiBiase. They're like, we have this character, and we think you'd be perfect for it. It was like a casting <laughs> call. Um, so yeah, that's
0: uh that's Everybody's pretty, got a price. Classic character. Everybody's gonna pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Ted DiBiase was great. Um, yeah, so uh, a bump would be a, a bump. A bump, kid. Uh, a bump is like just how you how you fall, how you land when you get like you know, let's say, body slammed or suplexed or whatever. Is falling properly. Uh You could call anything a bump. Like you could call like a turnbuckle bump, like how you fall into the turnbuckles, or how you fall off a ladder. It's like a ladder bump.
0: If you want to learn to be a wrestler. The first thing you gotta learn is how to bop. Yeah,
1: it's all about protecting yourselves, folks. Safety first. Learning how to fall right. You gotta, you gotta. Um, or as Jr. would say, like, there's some people sitting at home saying he just knows how to fall right. But, uh, <laughs> when Mick Foley fell, out, uh, got got thrown off the the cell. Oh uh, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna uh classic
0: um Jr. line. Classic Jr. Who's another amazing uh product of some of might
1: say the greatest common greatest play-by-play commentator. oh yeah
0: number. oh he's i'm awesome. a gorilla
1: monsoon man but yeah uh, gorilla JR, monsoon
0: probably the best at what he did absolutely absolutely uh oh good stuff
1: so if you want to i don't know if you want to talk about well, SummerSlam. First. yeah
0: um SummerSlam was last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh I unfortunately missed it, uh which I was really bummed about uh particularly because I was really excited to see uh Steven Amell the Arrow his match uh tag team match with uh uh Stardust and uh Cosmic King Barrett. Uh <laughs> I really uh, hope he keeps that gimmick. A gimmick is another word that describes
1: Yeah, a gimmick. Someone's yeah. It, it usually refers to someone's character. But uh, a lot of times it refers to, like, an item, like a thing. Like, uh, for instance, um, uh, like, it's like, this is my gimmick. Like, this is, oh, yeah, like, Jake the Snake had a snake. That was his gimmick. Great gimmick, by the way. He had yeah. a gimmick. Like, a, uh, <laughs> Steve Austin uses that term a lot on his podcast where he talks it's about. Steve Austin's like, gimmick was, was better. Really, that was a really <laughs> great gimmick. So I had one of these. Uh, I was in the shower today, and I had one of these shower gimmicks. He like talks. he calls, he calls everything a gimmick <laughs> one of these uh one of these washing uh gimmicks that you're supposed to wash your back with uh, yeah he, he uses it like that loosely, which is hilarious, so a gimmick can be anything you bring up to the ring you know to enhance your character. But a lot of times it refers to the character itself, so, uh. Like
0: Hacksaw Jim Duggan's 2 by 4 Yeah. One uh, of these two,
1: one of those, uh, 2 by 4 gimmicks.
0: One of those two, them um, 2 by 4 gimmicks. Uh, someone stole my beer gimmick the other day. <laughs> I wasn't appreciative of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, let's, it, it, um. It's,
1: it's, yeah, describe someone's character pretty much. Uh, it, cool. It, cool, cool. Like I'll say, yeah, you right. know, if someone's kind of a bland guy, and then it's just like, like they come out and they're like, coming down the aisle. Brian Johnson. And it's just like, "Who?"
0: And it's just like, "That guy needs a gimmick." Oh, he definitely needs a gimmick cuz I'm that already I'm already gimmick. bored. Yeah, that guy needs a gimmick. Yeah, so uh we got to get that guy some a leather vest and some beers. Some send him down to the, the
2: dollar store with 10 bucks. He'll come back with 10 gimmicks. We'll see what sticks.
0: <laughs> That's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Oh, well, um why don't uh we just do a little little recap uh from SummerSlam this past week I, for one, didn't get to see Any of the matches You guys did mm-hmm. Yes, um, Nathan
2: so- had me over Margie made chicken fingers <laughs> and Oh, nice and, My mother and, and, and Mark brought Doritos
0: Yeah, so, you know
2: So we were eating Doritos and chicken fingers mm-hmm. while, while we watched it
0: Breakfast of champions
2: Yeah, yeah it was very exciting Full spread
0: <laughs> It was one of those Chicken and Dorito gimmicks. Frozen chicken
1: and <laughs> Doritos.
0: <laughs> Dorito gimmicks. And I put them in one of them bowl gimmicks. <laughs> you mean a bowl,
1: Steve? <laughs> yeah, a bowl gimmick. That's what I said. You heard what I
0: said. <laughs> God damn it, don't make me repeat myself.
1: Uh, yeah, so... Um I don't know, wait, do you, you wanna start off with the Steve Amell
2: fight? Yeah, uh, actually, um, um, Well, actually, I mean, geez, there weren't even really that many matches that really mattered. Like, I guess the big yeah, ones, we'll were talk about the ones that really mattered. The Steven Amell one, the, like the, the, the Cena Rollins match, and then, uh, the Guys, the I, I, I'm Undertaker gonna match.
0: insist that, I'm gonna insist that, that we talk about the Steven Amell match right now, cause I, for one, I can't, I can't handle, uh, the, the suspense any longer. Now I know I know that him and Neville did win the match, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know the specifics really. All right.
2: Well Nathan, why don't you give us a little backstory because I didn't watch anything before that. I just kind of I watched like, all the all the happening.
0: uh banter back and forth and I thought it was great. great. But, yeah. Yeah, was oh a, yeah,
2: there were
1: excellent promos for that. Yeah, there was some good build to it and I liked it. It was uh Stardust is like basically just he's he's uh like an offshoot of Gold Dust originally. Like his right. brother in real life is Gold Dust. He's Dustin He's, uh, he's, um...
2: The Rhodes family. The, the Rhodes, yeah, the Rhodes family. Yeah. Dustin,
1: Dustin Rhodes was, uh, his gold dust, who's been around forever. Uh, he's, I, I think he's sort of weaning toward retirement these days, because yeah. he's has out of the picture. But actually, he's probably in, in the best shape of his life now, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but his, his brother, Cody, Cody Rhodes, um, was Cody Rhodes. He's kind of been going in and out between different gimmicks for a while, and then... At some point, he teamed up with Goldust, his brother, and they were wrestling together. And the story behind that was to give some real backstory to the the uh, initiation of uh, Stardust. Sure. Was uh, he was teaming with uh, Goldust, his brother, and then uh, he they kept losing, and Cody was blaming himself. So Cody was like, "You need a different tag team partner. You should try it with these other guys." So. Goldust, you know, Cody Rhodes was like depressed about it and, uh, Goldust started teaming with different wrestlers and like nothing was working. And then Cody was like, I have an idea. There's this is guy who I think is perfect for you. So he finally <laughs> came out as Stardust <laughs> and he sort of go, started going crazy as Stardust, like believing his own character. And like, uh, they also had Dusty Rhodes involved in that storyline who passed away recently. Right. RIP uh, Dusty. Yeah. And, uh, and, a uh, great old wrestler, legendary wrestler. Um, they had him involved in that story, then being like, and him and Goldust were like, this is going too far, Cody. Like, and he's like, my name's not Cody, it's Stardust! And like, doing all this <laughs> And uh, so he was starting to believe the character. So his character's like this insane, uh, superhero villain type of thing where he just fell into this, uh, uh, this wormhole of, <laughs> of insanity for this character. So he's like this glittered up, ridiculous, like, almost like a, Ziggy Stardust type of character, oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's probably where it kind of comes from it's but, uh, it's great, so uh, uh, yeah. he started going like nuts, and then uh, Steve Amel was at a show one time, and they were kind of pushing arrow a little bit and uh, and uh,
0: Amala was a est wrestle- a childhood wrestling fan too, uh, yeah. so you know it was one of his childhood dreams mm-hmm. to to be in a wrestling ring at some point in his life, though he was able to cross that off the bucket list, which is pretty cool f- for him i i 'm a fan of of the actor uh, you know he, it's sort of weird how like once you get on TV you get all these opportunities uh, a few months prior to stephen Amel's summer slam debut, uh, he was able to hit a home run uh, during batting practice with the toronto blue jays he's a big he's a canadian he's a big blue jays fan too and now uh, the w w e has embraced him and and they did a very uh uh, brilliant crossover between the, the Arrow TV, DC TV universe and, and, uh, WWE and, uh. And yeah, they've been sort of building, like, Neville came
1: in from NXT, which is almost, you can consider it WWE's farm system. Okay, yeah. Like they train guys to get in. Neville's like a, you know, a short, very muscular, stocky. Great athlete! British dude. Amazing. He must have been like a gymnast or a diver, something like that, cause yeah. he does. Crazy, crazy high-flying maneuvers. And, um, so, he was sort of being built as a superhero type of character. Like a comic book superhero type of thing. Which is, a uh, sort of something that the WWE, the wrestling world hasn't really seen a character like that since maybe the Hurricane. Hurricane, yeah. Hurricane, Hurricane Helms. Hurricane Helms, yeah. Who was like a, you know, he was a Green Lantern fan and they, actually there's a funny story behind the, his character too. Um, basically, Steve Austin was just like,
0: what's that tattoo you got?
2: He's like,
1: he's like, like, Green Lantern. He's like, what
0: the hell's that? (laughs) What's that? Some kind of foreign beer?
1: (laughs) And so they were like, hey, let's make him like a superhero character. So that's funny. um, Neville, they're building as like a superhero to feud with Stardust, and that was probably all built up to be something, a promotion to build up the Stephen Mell thing because he was probably signed on to do that for for months, right? Um. And it's brilliant. And then they had him at the show, and then they had a a conflict outside the ring between Stardust and Steve Aml, and uh, he was taunting Steve Aml, and he ended up like pushing him down or whatever. And um, then at that same time, they were sort of tagging up King Barrett, who be, who's sort of been going back and forth between gimmicks as well. He was Bad News Barrett, which I loved. <laughs> bad. He just news. came out and said, "I'm afraid I've got some bad news." So <laughs> Which was a great gimmick But then they had him win King of the Ring And he became King Barrett. And then When they te- teamed him With Stardust They did something Very silly Which I loved Because it's super Over the top Like 80's style gimmicky Where uh Stardust presented him With like a new Uh Like a new cloak <laughs> Pretty much That Barrett comes out with And it's like this silver thing And he's like I'm the Cosmic King And so they changed it To the <laughs> Cosmic King to, For this match Pretty much Uh and for SummerSlam, they teamed up Stardust and the Cosmic King Barrett and, uh, against Steve Amell and Neville. And, uh, yeah, so that's how they built that match.
2: Excellent background. Ended yeah. up being
1: pretty good showing for Steve Amell. You can tell he trained for a while to be able to at least, yeah. you know, to bump.
2: Well, it's crazy. He so had to learn how to bump. What's crazy is. Is, is that uh when you actually see him in the ring with all the actual pro wrestlers, like, on the show, he's, like, this buff dude kicking, like, people's asses and stuff. But, like, here, he was, like, half their size. Yeah. and like, he was he's just like, oh, it's a guy. And he's pretty ripped. <laughs> yeah. It, it looked like they just took a guy off the street. I mean, it's just, like, the physical difference between the people who actually do this and, like... And people that
0: do steroids. And just the way people move in the <laughs> ring. And yeah, yeah. It. But uh, I'd say
2: his showing was, was really good. I mean... Usually whenever they have a celebrity involved in anything like this, their background isn't isn't uh, that extensive. So, like, you have the other guys selling these moves that the other people are doing, and they look, like, damn near invincible. Mm-hmm. Where in this match, Steve Mell was kind of getting his ass handed to him for pretty much most of the match. Which you
1: need to do when you have a celebrity coming. You can't have him, like, beating that shit out of people, you know?
0: Except maybe uh, when Hogan and Mr. T... Uh... <laughs> Matched up together or, or tag team together. Back then they got away with it. Yeah, because back then people were dumb. Or
1: the boxing match between uh, Mr. T and Roddy Piper. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Silly. Uh, so anyways, um, that was just one, uh, uh, awesome event at SummerSlam, but there certainly were others. Yeah. Uh, I heard that the Brock Lesnar Undertaker match was really interesting and fun. Yeah, um, Controversial
1: ending to that. Some people were mad. I I was actually pretty happy with the results of of SummerSlam in general. A lot of people were uh like they didn't some people complain about the Steve Mell match. They're like, oh, the celebrity guy, like, you know, is doing
2: too much well, he having had, too much offense. I think he and did, I was like, it was, it was He did fine. pretty good. Some of those moves are kinda hard. He he jumped off the top yeah, turnbuckle top, top to the outside, outside the ring. That was a pretty risky maneuver. I'm sure yeah. the Studios down at the CW weren't very happy about him jumping from no, that's, the up there. He could have been seriously too, hurt. Not too hard. To I screw actually, up. I actually thought he did, and I thought he had like bruised his back, but it turned out he just got some of Stardust face paint on there. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> thought he had like a big bruise on his back, and it was actually just Stardust. Face I, like, whoa, I saw that.
0: Yeah, I saw that in the highlight. Yeah,
2: and then uh, he had a couple other moves, and plus he did a real good job selling the other wrestlers' moves too. Yeah, I think he did. I a, mean, they I think didn't think break did out any. Uh, any of the real crazy like hard to do stuff that the other two could have done because otherwise they would just they probably would have hurt him bad but um sometimes wrestling I think he had a good showing
1: yeah yeah sometimes wrestling geeks tend to overanalyze this stuff and they're like oh he shouldn't do this it's going to make this character other character look bad and it's like you know what it's not as JR would say it's pro wrestling it's not rocket science <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's like sometimes you're kind of overanalyzing it you're not going to kill Barrett or Stardust character because Stephen L gave him a clothesline. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. Don't worry too much about it.
2: One thing I was kind of disappointed in is that uh, I mean, he came out in boots and a hood but it wasn't the same outfit that he would have wore on the show which I felt that's something he should have done. Oh, really? But he came out in the hood but then he ended up taking it off and then you just see him and he's just like, just got his shorts and his boots. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they could have had more production value as far as the... Uh, the costume. It might have was been a concerned. matter
1: of just practicality, like maybe he couldn't wear something. because Or,
2: it, was or like... it could have been copyright stuff, like maybe DC and the CW wouldn't have allowed him to wear the exact same costume that he would have wore on the show. Right. Um, Possibly. Or, or something similar to it. I don't know. I felt they could have at least try to recreate something close <laughs> enough. But yeah. all in all, I'd say it was entertaining um it is it is funny it's it's a very pro-wrestling uh
1: thing that they did with the the, the uh, build-up for that storyline because it was like oh we're gonna make these things comic book characters because comic books are popular so we're gonna bring that into wrestling you know they're they're trying to get the comic book audience oh well,
2: no yeah that i remember wrestling. some of the promos you showed me uh before they uh they actually looked kind of like like some, some retro ones, like some from like the early 90s or late 80s. Yeah. And they're like, in the, like how, how they were set up and how they de- were delivered. And like promos are probably one of my favorite things about professional wrestling.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. The, like
2: you go and the guys just talk and smack the whole time. So it's still like, It gets the blood pumping and makes everyone wants to actually see the, the actual product. And I, I don't know. I just oh, feel like that's for, the best. Yeah.
1: And uh, promo is, uh, like a like a backstage interview or or in the ring um just a guy uh a wrestler talking like trying to sell the match like you know the old Hulk Hogan let me tell you let me tell you something brother boss man i'm going to you know stuff like that just <laughs> cutting a promo means you know you're giving a of intense interview um trying to sell this this match that you're going to be in so uh so yeah that was actually a, a, a decent showing by Steve Amell and everything not uh, not not too not too disappointing. It li- it lived up to what pre- pretty much what everyone expected it to be. <laughs> awesome. A solid tag team match. Um and luckily he didn't get hurt. But did you want to talk about Lesnar Taker? Uh yeah, I'd love to. All right, we can talk about Lesnar Taker and um well, a lot of people were a little Uh, conflicted about the ending, the finish to it. It was a, it was a great match. They actually had Undertaker being more on the offensive, whereas at WrestleMania, ooh, I should, I should give up the, there's, there's a lot of history to this one. right. Yeah, go, go ahead and shoot. So I don't want to jump too much, too quickly into it. So Mm -hmm. I'll try to quickly go over it. But, uh, basically Undertaker had this winning streak at WrestleMania. He's been around for almost, for over 20 years. I think he debuted in nineteen ninety, so almost twenty five years. Um, he he had this streak going every WrestleMania he was undefeated and he went twenty one uh WrestleMania matches undefeated. Right? That's yeah, right. these legendary matches with uh Shawn Michaels, maybe considered one of the greatest matches of all time, if not the greatest match of all time. Uh WrestleMania twenty five with Shawn Michaels, the first one. Then they they did a rematch the next year at WrestleMania, which wasn't as good as the first one, but the first one's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful match. And I'll say that word, beautiful. <laughs> For a wrestling match, because it was. But, uh, he had these great matches. After that, he wrestled Triple H a couple times. And at this point, people were like, the streak will never be broken. No yeah. one's ever going to beat the Undertaker WrestleMania. It's just, it's an honor. Like CM Punk wrestled him. It's an honor just to be able to wrestle the Undertaker WrestleMania. There's no way the streak's going to be broken because that would ruin it. You know, that would ruin the specialness of of facing the Undertaker WrestleMania because <laughs> there's no way you're going to beat him, but just to be in the ring with him to put on a fantastic match with the Undertaker WrestleMania is an honor given to very few people in the wrestling business. So then the year after CM Punk wrestles him and loses, um, they have Brock Lesnar because they're trying to build up Brock Lesnar again after he got out of UFC. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple matches with Triple H and back-and-forth matches. So they, they need to build Brock Lesnar as this unstoppable, the beast. You know? Right. Like, so when he
0: debuted, he was kind of like that, I remember. And, yeah, uh, and he's just unstoppable. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the guy, and he, you know, he... Legitimate,
1: f- legitimate great fighter who would beat the hell out of anybody
0: on that roster. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he really is a real-life beast, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, so, so so those two were pitted against each other, and what went on there? It was
1: WrestleMania 30, and, uh, so, there was an oddly, very, sort of like an oddly, uh, more, more one-sided match against The Undertaker. The Undertaker looked kinda weak in that match, and apparently he did get a concussion in the match, and some people say he called it, I, I don't even know if this is confirmed or not, I, you know, some wrestling marks might, uh, scold me for this, but I think, I think Undertaker may have called it in the ring cause hmm. no one, no one gets to that level that the Undertaker's at. He's at such a legendary status with the company that he's so well respected that he can make a, a split second decision, like an in-match decision. And they kind of left it up to him to decide if he was going to lose that year to huh. Brock Lesnar. So some people think that Brock Lesnar wasn't right for it. But yeah, Brock Lesnar, shocking one of the most shocking moments in wrestling history, defeated the Undertaker at WrestleMania.
0: Wow, breaking and, uh, the streak.
1: And the people's—you can look up people's reactions. Brock Lesnar beats the Undertaker at WrestleMania. It's insane. The audience just—it's just quiet, and people are like, have this "oh my god" face on, like they don't believe what they just saw. Because wow. I didn't. I, I had to rewind it when we were watching it, because I—I was like, wait, what just, what just happened? Because I didn't believe it. And we were like, no, there has to be some stipulation where they're going to overturn this. There's something wrong. Because you don't believe it. Because it's just one of those things. It's one of those... Uh, it's like death taxes and Undertaker's undefeated. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to break this thing. And he did. And Brock Lesnar b- defeated him. And he went on to face John Cena later, at I believe, I think at SummerSlam. And, and totally manhandled John Cena for the title. Like, that was another shocking moment. People were like, he just... Destroyed John Cena, like not even put up a fight, and that was Brock Lesnar is now this unstoppable force in WWE. Like no one can beat him, no one can touch this guy. Now,
0: let me ask you something, uh, Paul Heyman used to be his, uh, manager, is, is he taking on that role again? Still, yes, he's, awesome. uh, he's the voice of Brock Lesnar. I Bro. love how he's Brock the voice. Brock Lesnar! Um, yeah, because Brock Lesnar can't talk. <laughs> yeah, but I love how Paul Heyman is, is the voice of Lesnar. It's kinda like a package yeah. deal, you get the both of them.
1: Maybe maybe the greatest manager of all time at this point. He's unbelievable at hyping a fight.
0: And and one of the probably one of the greatest overall public speakers you'll ever come across yeah. anywhere. You can <laughs> I could watch I could watch his
1: promos for three hours and I'd be happy. So they built this up uh, this past year at, um, uh, I can't think of, uh, was it WrestleMania? Yeah, it was WrestleMania. Um, he was fighting, Brock Lesnar fights Seth Rollins for the title. The uh, the golden boy of the company is I know, so right. his character. And uh he's beating the hell out of Seth Rollins. He's this unstoppable force. And then he's about to beat Seth Rollins for the title. Lights go out. Undertaker appears in the ring. Uh and, and, uh, low blows kicks, kicks, uh, Brock Lesnar in the nuts.
2: Very, very uncharacteristic
1: maneuver by the phenom, <laughs> the Undertaker. The very mystical character of the Undertaker. So, uh, this sets up for Undertaker Brock Lesnar 2, these two gods of wrestling. As I, I built it up in my own mind, cause I like to do this, uh, um, cause Paul Heyman described uh Brock Lesnar as as the god of of vengeance. Of ve- <laughs> vengeful retribution. He's the god my god of vengeful retribution. <laughs> and uh so versus the god of of death, the Undertaker, you know. Right. So uh it was like these two gods legendary figures of wrestling. I can say Brock Lesnar's legendary because that's how they built him mm-hmm. up to be. He's this untouchable being so they build up, and they do this great, great lead-up to SummerSlam. Uh, these two monsters coming together to fight another time. Uh, Undertaker's going to get his revenge, and he's going to play dirty this time. So, and, and Paul Heyman also built that as he sold his soul to the devil to, be, to finally <laughs> beat Brock Lesnar. So um, Undertaker's fighting dirty now. So they build up to this match at uh, build up to this match at SummerSlam. Uh pretty much there's some um, it's a good match, good back and forth match. Uh solid solid match. Undertaker looks stronger. He's more intense this time. He's renewed. And then uh finally it comes toward the end. Uh Brock Lesnar gets The Undertaker in a Kimura lock, which is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing, which he hmm. never used at all in UFC because he's not that type of fighter. But he used a UFC, uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu move, an MMA move in in wrestling now. So he puts Undertaker in the Kimura lock, and the which puts Brock Lesnar on his back, on his shoulders, and the ref's checking under his shoulders to see if he's pinned. Meanwhile, on the other side, The Undertaker's taps out, gives up. To his hold wow. which the bellkeeper sees the 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 timer guy the bell t- the uh the ring ringy bell man <laughs> <laughs> the bell ringy guy the, the bellman uh, bellman he, he <laughs> rings the bell because he sees Undertaker tap out and the ref loses it and says I didn't call for the bell you know he sure. wasn't he wasn't pinned meaning Brock Lesnar wasn't pinned. The timekeeper says No, I saw Undertaker tap out. And so while the ref's disputing this with the timekeeper uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, goes over to the ref to see what's going on. Undertaker low blows him. <laughs> he turns around and he puts him in the, the Hell's Gate submission, which is like another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu move. It's uh-huh. a uh, move that Undertaker does because he's a big MMA fan. In I real don't think
2: life. I've seen that one. What's, what's that look like? It's
1: weird. It's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a neck choke thing where he's, Undertaker's on his back and he has him mean, it almost looks like a triangle choke except you're choking him with, your, your shin, you're kinda pulling his head into your shin, you're using your hands. It's a, it's, it's hard to
2: describe a I'll bit.
1: have to look it up. Yeah, so it's his Hell's Gate submission and makes, uh, underta- and then, uh, not to kill the character, this unstoppable beast of Brock Lesnar, uh, not to kill that, that character, he doesn't tap out, he passes out. Classic, good, good wrestling, good booking, uh, and while he's, he's passing out, he gives, Undertaker the Finger. Oh, man. Yeah. That's cool, actually. Yeah. And then, so the big dispute now is almost like Brock Lesnar is almost the face, and this legendary, like, like, well-respected yeah. guy is the, almost the heel in this match now. Well, so he's, it's weird. It's, uh, they,
2: Undertaker's flip flop from heel to face, like, yeah, but several times. Not he's recently. been a heel most yeah. of his career, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, he was like a yeah, mon- he was wh- right. what they call a monster heel, which is like sort of like uh supposed to scare children. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the big scary guy. Him and
0: Kane. Yeah, yeah. how's he gonna beat peace. him?
1: How's Hulk Hogan gonna beat the scary monster?
0: Yeah, Andre. Yeah, he Hulk Hogan tore through a
1: lot of monster heels, whether it be Earthquake, or... Earthquake, <laughs> yeah, people like that. But um. Yeah, so that's, that was a, I thought that was a good booking. People were like, oh, this is that, I hated that ending. And it's like, I thought it was great. And it leads up in, I think to another, the rubber match, Taker, Lesnar three to decide, you know, who wins the best out of three at Survivor Series, which is the 25th anniversary of Undertaker's debut in the WWE. Wow. He came out for Survivor Series for million dollar man Ted DiBiase's team in
2: 1990.
1: Wow. Yep. Wow. He was oh, he was wow. the mystery man for uh Ted DiBiase's team.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we should talk about uh the well. John Cena Seth Rollins match. Oh yeah. Talk yep. about another celebrity intervention. Oh match. my goodness. Now, so, this match I actually saw. This is like the last one I watched before I had to like head home because I got like I live about an hour away from Nathan's and uh so mm-hmm. this match was really good. Um like Seth Rollins is quite the professional. He he's 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 a heel, but he he does it so well. He makes you want to hate him. Yep. You like you love to hate this guy. Plus he's becoming at, such
1: a good heel and I, I I didn't have a lot of faith in him earlier on. He was good.
2: Oh, he's totally grown into it. Oh yeah. And on top of that, like the the types of moves he's pulling off in the ring. Mm-hmm. are insane it's like his his actual like the the work he's putting in and add the, like the moves he's actually doing he, like they're flawless like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff he's doing is absolutely believable like he they, the john cena really had to rely on him to look good because john cena was uh wasn't doing a very uh decent job he as kinda, far as trying john to pull him, cena, do pulling moves i off. feel like oddly
1: kind of lost a step um even in his promos, like, a, there was a Monday Night Raw building into, leading into SummerSlam, where he was kind of flubbing his lines a little bit. Seth Rollins was who, Seth Rollins, who previously passed up until the last couple months, always flubbed his lines like he'd always screw something up. Last couple months, Seth Rollins been flawless on the mic, been fantastic on the mic, really good as a heel, um, and... Yeah, um he's very graceful, athletic in the ring. Like you said. Um and John Cena was kind of sloppy. Yeah. Well, jo- John went through
2: his invincible phase and his his issue is is that he won't let go of his gimmick. His gimmick is what? 15 years old now mm-hmm. where he comes out and he's wearing the wearing the jean shorts and the and the t-shirts with his with the like the John Cena symbols on it, and the like the super positive like invincible face guy, that like has been rammed down everyone's throat for close to like what fifteen years. Hmm. Kids still love him though. Yeah, 15, fifteen years, and he won't let it go. And it's just like because I don't know. Sells- I think he's due for yeah. a, a heel turn.
0: I think he's due for a big ass whooping, maybe a few Stone Cold Stunners. The problem is he's
1: like almost a hero in real life, like in the public eye, because he actually broke. I think he just set the record for like most Make a Wish. Yeah, I read that like five hundred. That's pretty Make-a- impressive. Yeah, yeah, that really so, is. Yeah, so it's like they almost can't turn him heel because it's like he's he is sort of this beloved, uh, charitable guy in pub in the public eye. So it's hard to turn him heel at this point, even though he should be, because the fans hate him. Yeah, uh, except for kids, except and, for kids and
0: girls and girls, so and anyone who like went to see that movie Trainwreck apparently,
2: yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he might he might go do acting now because apparently he did well in Trainwreck. I guess mm-hmm. he's got. Uh, I mean, if you've seen the Marine, a part in the next Tina Fey Fla- flick, mm-hmm. like apparently he's funny and like he's in serious movies as opposed to yeah, like you said, the Marine. And I mean, if you've seen the Marine, I mean. There's just no better action
0: movie Man. in on in this universe. One of the best movies to have a
1: drinking game too, because it's it's like every time John Cena jumps away from an explosion, it's like there's probably twenty of them in that movie.
0: You take a drink. <laughs> oh, you got good at that, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: um, it's it's that's an insanely bad movie. Yeah, I, I know. I was being <laughs> I com- know com- You're
0: completely facetious. facetious on that one. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's broadened his horizons in his acting career. Good for him. So, I mean, it could happen that he takes a hiatus and
2: well, I does think, some movies. Yeah, I mean, if you can't do a heel turn, the best thing to do would be to uh, take a hiatus, I think.
1: And then maybe come <laughs> back as a as a heel like The Rock did back in, like, 2000. Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah, 2004 or something like that. Because, um, yeah, he came back and he his head shaved and he was like, The Hollywood guy, and he's like a total dick, and he have the big arm tattoo. (laughs) He was a dick to everyone. Yeah, that was awesome. But it's more, it's easier for a guy like The Rock to turn heel because he was an anti-hero face character to begin with, right? Much like Stone Cold Steve Austin, because that was the
2: the attitude error Yeah, I mean their their characters didn't change that much. It's just like how they were perceived by everyone is what changed. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were more a little hostile, a little more hostile to the crowd. They always never really gave a damn. Right. So. Yeah, but the match. I, itself. I like
0: when when uh he he went from the people's champ to the corporate champ.
1: Oh yeah, remember yeah, yeah. that? That yeah, was awesome. He joined Vince McMahon. So yeah, he he did have a couple heel turns in there.
0: The corporate yeah. champ was awesome. The,
2: <laughs> but the the match itself was real smooth. It lasted a while. Like they were pulling off all this crazy stuff. No one would tap, and then John Stewart comes in when they're both just like messed up in the ring he was with the a chair. The host, the
1: host of SummerSlam. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, uh. And you, you actually made a great observation that I don't think anyone else in the room made about Jon Stewart. Like, like, everyone was like, why is he coming out? That's so weird to have a celebrity intervene in a title match. Like, Mm. a main event match. Yeah. You don't have a celebrity intervene in that.
2: Well, a little backstory. Uh, Mm. earlier in the night, Jon Stewart went to go confront Brock Lesnar because he broke Undertaker's streak. And you explained this to Paul Heyman because he's a wrestling fan, that he wanted the streak to stay intact. He ruined
1: something very special.
2: Right. So, another thing about the Seth Rollins-John Cena match was, I found that earlier in the night, that if John Cena were to win, he would have broken Ric Flair's record or tied it for 16. 16, which would be the most times that anyone has been... Held the world heavyweight championship. Wow! So John Stewart enters the ring. He's got the chair. You think he's gonna go after Seth Rollins because they they had they were feuding earlier when John Stewart was on the Daily Show. And also he's the heel, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So then out of nowhere, John Stewart goes hits John Cena in the stomach, throws the chair down. Seth Rollins gives the pedigree to John Cena, pins him. And then the match is over and everyone's like, well, why would he do that? Well, he did that because John Stewart is a wrestling fan purist and he wanted to keep Ric Flair's record unscathed and untied.
1: Yeah, Which was, uh, which was a great, I thought great storytelling by WWE. I think, <laughs> I think some people, I don't know why that's so funny, but I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it really was. Stories. Yeah. It yeah. was a great. And I didn't, it was great foreshadowing earlier in the night when he went to, uh, Brock Lesnar's dressing yeah. room and Paul Heyman came out and he, and, uh, he had a little, a little tiff with Paul Heyman and he was like saying like, you ruined the streak for everybody. And yeah. He's like, he's like, you don't realize how, how important that is to everybody. And like, you know, give that whole spiel and then he comes out and interferes in the, in the. Yeah seen a Rollins match. So well, I was I, the, I was, was
2: the only one at the uh at the gathering that noticed that. Yeah, he was like cuz he's trying to protect the streak and everyone was like, "Oh. oh
1: <laughs> yeah." And then they explained it. Uh you didn't see Raw the next night. Oh, yes, tell me tell out, me how that happened. He did. They were like, "We're going to have John Stewart come out cuz they were still in uh Brooklyn." And he was like, "We're going to have John Stewart out and explain his actions, which I was hoping they would do and not just leave it hanging." So, they had him come out and he was like, he was like, I didn't want John Cena to lose. I didn't want. He was like, I have nothing against John Cena, but I have something against um, like tradition. And yeah, it was exactly. Like, he explained exactly what you said it was. Uh, uh, is he, he gonna he be a,
2: a main staple now Rick, in the WWE? Like, John Stewart, is he? Did he, re- I wish, I, did I he retire it. from that epic Daily Show run? <laughs> where he was one of the most respected news guys even mm-hmm. though it was like a fake news show mm-hmm. and to become a heel <laughs> in WWE.
1: Um I yeah, I don't think it'll stick around, but that would be I would love it if he did. If he became like the general manager of Raw or something. Oh my like
0: god, that. that would be awesome.
1: Or harkening uh, back to the 2000s a commissioner. He didn't yeah. say he
2: wanted to do other things. <laughs> so, he's a huge wrestling fan, so. Go from Broadcasting fake news to Bra, becoming a general manager of of a fake mm. sporting organization.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't think he will. I wish he would though. That would be that would be great. Because uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty big name dude to to have as a as an extra character on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> oh <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I mean they'd probably love to have him too. Oh, that'd
1: be so good. But, but uh yeah it was it was it was a good ending and it was weird that uh they'd had a celebrity come in and, and decide the finish to a title match. Yeah. I thought he was going to, you know, uh Cena would kick out and uh you know the match would
2: continue. Yeah, he still got that invincibility aura about ending. him. Yeah.
1: He and then um so Monday Night Raw he got Well came they don't like Cena
2: that. losing straight up too.
1: No, they Very don't.
2: rarely throughout True. his career has he ever really been just tapped. Except yeah. maybe in the early days,
1: few clean clean finishes, which means without intervention, without any uh, any foul play, winning clean. It's another term. Uh, yeah, few people have beaten Cena clean. Kevin Owens beat Cena clean on Raw though, um, about a month ago.
2: Yeah, well, actually, you, you did say that you wanted to get into more about NXT and tell everybody about the. Uh, The farm system of the WWE.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll go over that real quick. Um, the night before SummerSlam, they had something called NXT Takeover, which is available on the WWE network for only $9.99 a month. You can buy, you can subscribe to the WWE network and get every pay-per-view. And that's what I watch SummerSlam on. So before that, they have NXT Takeover, which is like, sort of like a mini pay-per-view. And they have some big matches on, on that and some people might argue real wrestling fans might argue that NXT at this point is better than the main product huh. it's almost like an indie uh it's like a subcultural thing and it's actually i think it's great i watched there was an episode on uh, last night so every wednesday they have an NXT episode it's only an hour so they had cool. a takeover and they had a few big matches like Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor who's like this big up and coming guy who's the two guys who have traveled around the world wrestling for like 10 years And they're finally starting to bring in these independent wrestling stars from around the world that haven't been in WWE, which kind of McMahon, Vince McMahon's kind of been against for a long time. So, like, he wants to build everyone; he wants everyone to be homegrown, built, developed by WWE, so he can kind of you know own them. Yeah,
0: why not? uh, If if if, you know, there's gonna be other wrestlers out there. Why not? have them all under the umbrella of WWE where WWE is, has a monopoly on decent, you know, wrestlers out there besides right. TNA, of course. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a smart business move. I, you know, yeah. You know. I mean,
1: but through, uh, Triple H, who's, has a big executive power now in real, mm-hmm. in real life, um, uh, he, he sort of created NXT. He built NXT from the ground up and sort of made it this other brand where it's like, that's the, that's like the, Oh I didn't explain marks and smarts. Smart I mean, oh, yeah. smarks. A mark is an old carnival term meaning like it's it's a wrestling term meaning like someone who b- believes it buys into the business, buys the product. A smart would be someone who's like this is fake, this is fake, who cares? Yeah. But now wrestling fans are called like smarks now. It's like a, a mixture of both where it's just like I know this is fake, but I like it, it's entertaining. You know? Right. So that's pretty much what most wrestling fans would consider themselves. Uh and so this is for, like, the smart marks out there. NXT, it's, like, people who love the business and have respect for it. Uh, and it's sort of like the indie promotion. They got guys like Samoa Joe in there now. Oh, no Who's been in TNA wrestling for about ten years. Yeah. And he finally jumped ship to WWE's NXT brand. So it's like the indie promotion for WWE and also it's farm system. So they, these great guys who've been su- who are super skilled, been traveling the world for a decade wrestling and honing their craft and now they're in NXT and they're doing a spectacular job and it's almost like this um, this counter product to WWE. So they're bringing people up now and uh, they had some great matches on there just to run through it uh Finn Balor and and Kevin Owens, uh, great match, but the match that's still the show and where, uh, what makes wrestling interesting right now is the women are getting pushed so hard and, uh, they're the best, best women's wrestling matches that people have seen in maybe, maybe forever. Yeah. 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 They have these incredible girls and in they're now like Charlotte, who's Ric Flair's daughter who uh, I meant to throw in that on on Monday Night Raw came out and they had a promo with Ric Flair and John Stewart and John Cena. Oh where cool. John Cena ended up doing his finisher, the attitude adjustment to to John Stewart. <laughs> and uh, also Ric Flair was defending John Cena and saying that uh like streaks are meant to be broken, yada yada yada, things like that. Like he he wouldn't have minded John Cena winning. But whatever. Uh so NXT. Charlotte Flair is in there, his daughter. Um uh, Sasha Banks, who's incredible incredible um, Boston girl. Trained in Boston. At least. Oh, wow. I think she might be from California originally, but she trained at Chaotic in Boston. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, around Boston. Well, well-known well school. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bailey. And Bailey and Sasha Banks that night put on a match that made me cry. Made me cry. It made me single tear. It was huh. It was the, the build up to it cause they had three girls. They had, uh, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and, um, and, uh, um, China. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I I the fabulous moolah perhaps? The not? Irish, the Irish girl, uh, Becky Lynch. Girls who have been, you know, great, great wrestlers, been putting on like real good matches, like unbelievable matches. And, uh, Bailey is the fourth one that didn't get called up to WWE. So she was sort of left behind, and they sort of considered themselves the four horsewomen of NXT. <laughs> like, they're revolutionizing women's wrestling. And uh, so they had Sasha Banks and Bayley, and Bayley's kind of backstory was like, she didn't get called up to WWE. You know, she was left behind, because she's like this cutesy character, and she's a very sympathetic character. She's very, it's just her expressions, everything. The way she handles herself in their Match was just... Nothing short of unbelievable, and it was one of the best matches of the year. Easily match of the night, easily match at probably better than matches at Summerslam. Wow! It was an unbelievable match, unbelievable build up, and Bailey won the NXT Women's title after being pushed aside for so many years by these other girls, and it was just like it. It, it made you it made you weepy, and it was a, just a beautiful, beautiful match. More Shame so than the above.
0: Stephen Amell match,
1: <laughs> really. Yes. Wow. So, uh, I highly encourage anyone who has the access to either the network or some other means to watch that unbelievable match from NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn between Sasha Banks and Bailey. Gorgeous match.
2: Gorgeous women, I assume, too.
1: Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Sasha Banks has like a hot, skanky thing about her. (laughs) But, oh, unbelievable in the ring. Bailey's cute.
0: She's more of like the girl next door type. Er- Bailey's very much more of the girl in the Okay, door yeah. yeah, so there, there's a dichotomy there between the sisters. Yeah, and uh, gee, they, they did this
1: finish where it was like a top rope, um, inverted Huracan Rana thing. Oh, sweet. It was like nuts and almost broke Sasha Banks' neck, it looked like.
2: It was wow. Just nuts.
1: I, I hope, I wish I could find it on YouTube, but oh, Man, that, that was a crazy match and um yeah, highly recommend that match. And the following raw by the way was unbelievable. Did, did I'll run through that real quick. Yeah, why don't we run through that before we take a break. Take a break. Yeah. Uh yeah. I'll just say the big big surprises on raw. So they were going to um the Dudley Boys returned.
0: Yeah, wow. I heard about that. Now that was nice. huge news.
1: Which I love. I love Bubba Ray Dudley and the Dudley Boys return and
0: d get the table.
1: Legendary tag team. And um also, a new member of the Wyatt family, this big, big gargantuan guy, uh, came out, was introduced. Uh, was he
2: part of NXT before? I
1: think he was in NXT. Uh, he, um, But I don't remember him. I don't know where he came from. Huh. So I need to kind of research that a little bit. I'm not sure where that guy came from. But uh, also, at the end, um, a guy who's been coming back and forth uh, since WrestleMania... Uh, they were going to unveil a statue of Seth Rollins to, to, <laughs> to add to WWE headquarters because that was, like, one of his stipulations. He was like, if I beat John Cena at SummerSlam, I want a statue of myself right next to the le- great legends of wrestling and all that stuff. Like, And, and they were going to unveil the statue, and they showed the statue earlier in the night in uh the dressing room of Stephanie McMahon in, in Triple H. They really got someone to make this clown a statue, huh? And they made it. They had a statue. <laughs> and they lifted up the curtain, and instead of the statue, there stands Sting. <laughs> so that's going to be the next match: Sting versus um, Seth Rollins. That'll probably be gonna cool build up for Survivor Series.
0: That'll be way cool. I, I had heard that that Sting was going to be getting back into wrestling yeah. too. So that's that's really cool so stuff. it will
1: only be his second match in WWE. Which is really weird that he lost his first match in WWE to Triple H at WrestleMania. So I still feel a little sour about that.
0: But anyway,
2: all right, all right.
0: Well, um. We're going to take a short break but before we do, we just want to let you know uh about uh Hotcast Studios which is a studio that we operate out of. Uh if you are an aspiring podcaster looking to start your own podcast, uh contact Nathan Burke. Here That's at- me. That's him, <laughs> uh, the guy who's uh, been filling us in with all this great background information on the WWE today. Uh, so uh, Nathan Burke is the owner and operator of HotCast Studios here in Beverly, Mass. Uh, if you are interested in setting up your own podcast with him, he will provide you with state-of-the-art equipment and get you going. Uh, you can reach Nathan at his website, hotcaststudio.com. Uh you can also reach him through email at nburk eighteen at gmail dot com and you can reach him on Twitter at I am Nathan Burke. And with that yes. we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. You know what's great. This is the best part about podcasts. Just getting together. We don't know what's going to happen. We're just with our friends. You know, it's after work. You guys should come to HotCast. Got
1: great subs down the street. Parking wasn't bad at all. Someone already paid for mine. It was an hour and eight minutes in there. Got here. My friends were here. Same time. Now we're just hanging out. Come to HotSpot Podcast. Get yourself a good old-fashioned sub. HotCast. HotCast Podcast. Come to HotCast Podcast and enjoy the show. Come to Hotcast Podcast and enjoy the show. This is it. Like this, this is what we do now. Nothing better than just hanging out with some friends. You know what? Hotspot Podcast. Is that what it is? Hot 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 Hotcast Podcast. Check it out on, online. All I know is Hotcast Podcast. One of the best places.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Vigilant Geek Podcast. Today we are discussing all things WWE, the world wrestling entertainment. I'm Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and uh, joining me today uh, is Holden Orm, my colleague from Vigilant Geek Media, and New England comic... Uh, owner and operator of Hot Cat Studios and wrestling aficionado, Nathan Burke. That's me. Hooray. So uh, we left off giving you guys uh, a good recap of SummerSlam and some of the background information regarding the storylines and matches going on with that. Um, it's been very interesting thus far. Uh, in uh, part two of this segment... Uh, we are now going to discuss a fun little, uh, top five list here. Uh, we each made a top five list of our favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, so, uh, we're going to illuminate you with those lists, uh, in this second part of the segment. Gentlemen? Yes. You guys ready for this? Start your engines? Yeah.
2: We yeah, get, we got a lot <laughs> we got
0: a lot of interesting uh uh characters from WWE mm-hmm. present day and yesteryear. This is a hard discuss. list for me. To, yeah. This is a hard list for me to make, but yeah. Very hard because there's just so many great wrestlers mm-hmm. throughout the years, especially in the 80s and 90s. Uh there that's when you really started seeing some real charismatic characters show up mm-hmm. uh in the ring. Uh, and, uh, we're gonna take you through, uh, a little, uh, timeline, uh, back and forth between WWE's, uh, previous years, uh, through the attitude error, even up to today, uh, with our lists of, uh, honoring our, our favorite, uh, men that have, uh, or women, or women if anybody but, has but women, probably not. <laughs> uh, uh that, that have, uh, entered the, the ring. So. Yes. Uh, without further ado, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, we'll start with our number fives. All right. You want to start it off? I do not mind starting off this list. Uh, that's fine. So my number five, uh, I actually picked Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Now, um, this is sort of like a personal, uh, pick for me just because, uh, he was a childhood hero of mine. He was one of the first wrestlers, like, I saw on TV as a young lad. You know, among others, like, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, and, and of course Hogan, and mm-hmm. Randy Savage and all that. But, uh, uh, Slaughter, uh, was somebody I was actually able to meet at a Boston Celtics game, uh, when I was maybe six years old. Uh, it was one of, it was my first Boston Celtics game, and, and, couple rows in front of me uh sergeant slaughter was uh sitting there enjoying the game with georgie animal steel uh Mm -hmm. who is you know another big icon uh very famous for uh biting off the the turnbuckle covers and all that jazz yeah having the green tongue and all that no so him and slaughter were digging the uh the basketball game and i was able to get my ticket autographed by uh those two gentlemen and uh you know, uh, I was also like a big G.I. Joe fan back in the day and they, they incorporated the character of Sergeant Slaughter into the G.I. Joe cartoon, which was really neat. Uh, so, you know, just for that nostalgia factor right there. And I mean, I used to love the, the real, uh, Stereotypical matches—they put Slaughter in with you know mm-hmm. like like the, the Iron Sheik and and, and whatnot. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, uh, the, the
1: America versus whatever conflict. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Like
0: I think the Persian Gulf was going on at that point, yep. and uh, they were uh, exploiting that. Of course, Vince <laughs> Vince is going to exploit that to to the utmost extreme the and war. oh yeah, you yeah you yeah you're the Iron
1: Sheik. Before that, it was yeah.
0: Before that it was. Russians. Yeah, yeah. Nikolai Volkov and, uh, all that. Yeah. So, uh, um, I used to love those matchups with Slaughter and, uh, and the Sheik, the Iron Sheik, uh, and things like that. The the real stereotypical matches, uh, Mm -hmm. they always were highly entertaining, highly politically incorrect, but highly entertaining (laughs) nonetheless. So, Sergeant Slaughter, my number five. All right. And uh cool. I guess we'll go counterclockwise.
1: So, sure. Nathan, uh my number 5. I I I know my my top 3, my my 4 5 that that area is kind of a gray area for me. Um but I am picking for actually I'm going to I'm going to change out my my 5. The rest of it stays the same, but I'm going to change out my 5 for Chris Jericho. Nice because Chris Jericho um, I was a f- more a big fan of as a kid I was Chris Jericho for Halloween one year uh I loved him in WCW before uh he came to WWF at the time he was uh, just a yes he was a cruiserweight and he has a great story I've read I've read uh two of his books but um he he started out in WWE. Well, he started on Japan and Mexico, and he's been around the world. Mm-hmm. But on American television, where I first saw him was WWE, the Cruiserweight Division, which was this big, uh big uh, breakthrough at the time, where they would have smaller guys from around the world, like Lucha Libre style from Mexico and Japanese wrestlers, smaller guys mm-hmm. flying around the ring, putting on awesome, exciting matches, like with guys like Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera and. Um, and uh, Juicin Thunder Liger, who actually was on NXT Takeover, oddly enough, but huh. uh, but uh, Chris Jericho was a big cruiserweight division guy. Um, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, the yeah. ill-fated Chris Benoit, <laughs> <Yeah>. Dean Malenko, <laughs> Dean Malenko, awesome, awesome yeah. smaller wrestlers who put on some of the best matches um, anyone had seen in the late '90s, the mid late '90s. Those guys, those guys
2: were
0: streamlined. They had the sort of bodies where, you know, those bigger guys, they have a little bit, I mean, if you're a bigger guy, you're gonna have a tougher time moving around. But the amount of flexibility and acrobatics that the cruiserweights brought to the table, uh, just opened up and, you know, broadened the horizons for wrestling as a whole in in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, the most exciting matches in regards to actual wrestling and actual wrestling moves would be a cruiserweight match. So. Yep,
1: and they'd, they'd always open the show with a cruiserweight match, which I think is a model they should go with nowadays. Like, Agreed. You open, you open the show with a big, high-flying, exciting match. So um, those were Hell great yeah. matches. And Chris Jericho was one of the few guys in that division that could talk. And he'd come out and he would... They'd say, oh, they didn't care how the show ran in WWE. Like, they didn't, they didn't give a shit. That, that was
0: back when Bischoff was running things yep. over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, Eric Bischoff.
1: And he'd come out and they'd basically have like, alright, you have like a minute to do whatever you want before your match. And you would just come out with a mic and just spew a bunch of garbage and just, <laughs> you know, heckle the crowd, be a heel, be a good heel. And, uh, he was like this flamboyant, like, pretty boy character. And he'd just, uh, he'd just annoy people and like, uh, <laughs> like he did the Dean Malenko thing, like man of a thousand holds. And he came out with his list of like, like a thousand and three holds. And he like, <laughs> and he just he had this like long paper roll and he just, <laughs> they like went to commercial and he was just like saying like number 46. And they like, came back from commercial and he was like number 423 arm drag. And like he was just saying. <laughs> The Mexican Credenza, or like whatever. It was like the ridiculous stuff he just made up. So then he went to WWF, had one of the best debuts probably ever in wrestling history. Uh, they had like the countdown clock to the Y2K. Oh thing. yeah, and he, yep. was, and he was the Y2J problem.
0: That's right. And he
1: came out and did like the whole Raw is Jericho thing. He interrupted the Rock, made a big splash, and he was kind of swept down the rug for maybe a few months after that. And then he kind of came back, but he, he was always he always evolved over the years. And he was such a great, uh, character in the way that like he always like rolled with the tides and he would go heel face, heel face and he was always good on the mic and- uh, Lots of charisma. Yeah, lots of charisma and he he made it, he did a good transition in the mid-2000s where he like chopped his hair off and he started wearing a suit down into the ring and right. he like, came out and he came out to like no pyrotechnics and he just like played it straight and uh, he's just like a great heel and he wouldn't pander the audience. He was like, he was like, I hate that Chris Jericho. And he like spoke really softly. He was like, the Chris Jericho that used to pander to you people is dead and all that stuff. And he did that whole thing for a while. So he always reinvents himself. And I appreciate that. I'm, you know, he's, he comes back every now and again from touring with his band and all that. But, uh,
0: Oh yeah. Isn't his band name like Fozzie or Fozzy, something? Yeah. yeah. It started out as a joke and then it kind of turned into a real thing. I think I remember them playing a uh, WrestleMania or a SummerSlam or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: they played some show. Yeah, which is weird. But
0: uh, hey, whatever. They have <laughs> a
1: couple good songs. They have a really good uh, cover of an ABBA song, actually. Interesting enough,
0: <laughs> yeah. Dancing Queen.
1: No, it's
0: uh, <laughs> SOS. It's actually oh, a really okay, yeah. good. It's actually a really good cover of that song. Oh, interesting right. enough. Might have to give it a listen. Yeah. Uh holden, uh, holden, uh, you have a very interesting, uh, number five that we can discuss for quite some time. Uh, mm, I do.
2: Uh, my number five would be Mick Foley. Uh, extremely long career, uh, kinda grinded it out, went through a ton of gimmicks from Cactus Jack to Dude Love to Mankind and and really uh eventually, just everyone realized his whole body of work um, I mean he really broke through uh with that hell in a cell match with uh the undertaker where he took some of the most punishment i 've ever seen a human being take and and his his real talent was just the amount of heart and how much he cared about the actual the uh, actual wrestling yeah in, the business he was, the he business was a business total he was company in. man and uh and once all those things encompassed and then he just broke loose, like his ability to take punishment was second to none from anybody and he just getting thrown thirty feet from the air from the cage, being choke slammed from there. That match just kinda of put him on the map. Um it went from one mm-hmm. gimmick to another until like people just kinda of saw what he's what he was capable of on that and that match in particular. And he just became this hardcore legend and Always puts his I, body I think, on the line. Oh, yeah, he's always
0: putting his body on the line. He, he, he clearly had, had no concern for Which his own... Which is partly why
1: he's, like, pretty
0: much retired now. Yeah, I mean, no concern for his own personal welfare. Um, but I personally feel like Mick really flourished uh during his Mankind days, especially... uh When he first came in to WWF in, like, yeah, 95, I want to say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, his other gimmicks were great and everything, but... uh I don't know the the mankind gimmick. Yeah. It, it really went along with him being this creature of of uh, self loathing and and just you know he was the the humanities.
1: I think he described it as like something like it's it's all of humanity's ugliness. Yeah. Like it. it was brilliant. I thought yeah. it was about brilliant. And McMahon uh, was just like, oh, alright. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, that was a gimmick. <laughs> Cause he originally wanted to call, it, you know what Rizzo McMahon's original name for McFoley was? No. You're gonna be Mason the Mauler.
0: <laughs> that is so
1: yeah! bad.
2: That
0: is so bad. Oh he was my like, god. He's like, how,
1: how about I'm gonna be Mankind? And he's like, Ooh! Alright. <laughs> like, um and I, I guess he didn't really like McFoley very much until he cut a a great uh they did this they did this segment, this these series of vignettes with uh with Jim Ross kinda of just interviewing mankind. And he talked about like his childhood, like real stories sort of embellished. Uh but real stories from McFoley's like life. Yeah. Like, you know, jumping off of a roof and as a teenager wanting to be Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah! Like he was like I I just envisioned myself as Shawn Michaels like he yeah, <laughs> and then that's sort of where Dude Love came from. He was like the childhood uh and he turned into of do, the heartbreak kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was like his interpretation of what Shawn Michaels was. And Cactus Jack was also his other alter ego, which he like he had like a split personality gimmick for a while, where he'd go back and forth. And he was like the hardcore legend character because he was the guy who wrestled in Japan. In an exploding ring matches and early WCW, and oh, yeah. Jack was like, that was his pre WWF character, in ECW, obviously. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he had this these interviews with Jim Ross describing mankind and like sort of Mick Foley's childhood and like sort of being weirdly real and and very intense and very dramatic. And Vince McMahon, I guess, was watching it in the back and he was like, "This is like," he said. He said something like like this is gold
2: or whatever
0: like, is- <laughs> he could see the dollar signs like above his head just going cha-ching cha-ching, cha-ching yeah cha-ching. yeah and that's because
1: like, you know the first time that he believed in Mc-
0: min min mankind McFoley. yeah and you know i think that in a, a talent in the case with a lot of wrestlers is they you know most most wrestlers have had like really trying experiences getting to where they are now and You know, like Mick, you know, drawing on pain from the past to create a certain degree of intensity in the ring. That's something that a lot of other wrestlers do, but, but he really showcased it better than anyone else ever Mm -hmm. has. So, uh, yeah, just an unbelievable icon. Uh, in WWE, yep. Mick Foley. And
1: also a New York Times bestselling author.
0: <laughs> That's right. His book, I remember when that came it was, out, it, yeah. it blew up. And that started a whole series of
1: awful wrestling books <laughs> from other wrestlers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I read a few of them. I read the Hogan one. I think I read yeah. Kurt Angle's book too. Everyone but. came out with a book after that. Yeah. I mean, you know, once again, any but, way to yeah. make, any way to make a few yeah. bucks. Very
1: talented dude. Unbelievable promos, some of the best promos in history. Oh yeah, you in, got
0: like Mick you're, you're in the boiler room. The, in like
1: the, Even in his ECW stuff, like the Kane Dewey thing where like someone held up a sign that said Kane Dewey, which is his son. And, huh. uh, and, and uh, he cut a unbelievable promo like talking about like how the ECW fans don't care about you. He's like, they say he's hardcore. He's hardcore, and they cheer for you. And they wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. <laughs> and they, they all stuff great promos, and he succeeded as a guy who, at that time and in that company, especially WWF, uh, with a body type with an image that did not was not conducive to what they wanted. So he succeeded despite all that.
0: So. Yeah, he went against. Bleh. Can't even talk today. He went against the grain, yes. and he did it with grace and fortitude. So <laughs> testicular fortitude, as especially, you would say. yeah. So uh, kudos to Mister Foley. Uh, so um, looks like that brings us to our number four picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four, I picked the Ultimate Warrior. Now, uh, I picked the Ultimate Warrior strictly because of his gimmick. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, presence in the ring. Uh, little background on the Ultimate Warrior, uh, man named Jim Helwig, uh, he was a big time bodybuilder in the 80s. Uh, I think a, a scout might have found him outside of a gold's gym or something. But either way, he didn't really know how to wrestle. He was just kind of this uh, hulking Adonis of a man at the time with, you know, the rock star, big hair that was in at that point. And, yep. You know, uh, he, um, he was kind of a revolutionary, uh, figure, uh, in the business at that point. Cause he was one of like the driving forces behind that, you know, big, uh, larger than life steroid, yeah. you know, up. jacked up type of eighties, early nineties wrestler that you'd see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he had a great entrance. Super the, intense. The music that we would play, it would just pump you up and he'd come sprinting out to the ring, you know, and, and he'd be grabbing the ropes and just making all kinds of, uh, you know making a big scene and, and and you know he'd be like out of breath by the time the match mm. would start and then it was from then on it was really up to the other wrestlers to make him look good in the ring and yeah. and a lot of the the wrestlers that worked for the WWE at that point in time couldn't stand this guy because he was so dangerous in the ring he didn't know he didn't know what he's doing he's going to hurt somebody mm-hmm. i mean uh thankfully you you know he went up against some some of the uh a lot of the best, you know, technicians in the business, people like Ravishing Rick Rude, that were just so good at making him look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I just like the Warrior story. It's an important story to know uh, as a wrestling fan, I feel. Uh, and, I, you know, once again, it was one of those nostalgia things where, as a kid, I used to love seeing him come out to the ring. Because it was just it was it was intense and it was cool yeah. and as a kid it was you know one of the coolest things to see especially uh, I think it was WrestleMania three Hogan versus Warrior was that WrestleMania three or four, uh, not three, it was
1: probably might have even been like six. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, uh,
0: I guess I'm not too. Three uh, was
1: Hogan Andre that big was it okay? Uh, four I think was the the. Uh, one with Ric Flair, where he had the tournament. It was the tournament one. Huh. Uh, five, I think, was Savage Hogan. So it might have been six. Okay. Alright.
0: Well. Not, not positive. Um, So, it was a little bit later. Either way, uh, that's my number four, Ultimate Warrior. Uh, you know, might not have been a very good wrestler, but he surely was an icon in the business. Mm-hmm.
1: And a uh, very weird relationship with WWF, where he left and came back, and then they released a DVD of him, basically bashing him. Oh, yeah. That's a great really DVD. Weird. It's a great DVD, but it's, like, so unfair to him. But uh he was also, like, kind of a crazy dude anyway, and he was, like, kind of a dick in certain <laughs> ways. And, but they kind of released a thing bashing him, and then finally Triple H recently made amends with him and brought him in to induct him into the Hall of Fame, and... The then he died made up and then he died like a day after it was <laughs> very very strange weird and he came out on Monday night raw and cut some promo about like how every man breathes his final breath and every man's heart beats its final beat and then he died it's the almost next like day. precognitive there i think he wow. knew i think he knew he was going to die wow what did they say what he died
0: of like i don't was know he i sick think or? i,
1: I want to say it was like heart failure or something i'm not yeah. sure yeah yeah well a
0: lot of those guys, you know, the big steroid users from the eighties and nineties, you know, mm-hmm. uh their hearts I mean and it's happened to so many wrestlers. I mean, the British Bulldog, uh just to name one off the top of my head. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Uh it's happened to quite a few wrestlers. Yeah, you know, your heart's gonna give out uh if you if you do steroids yep. that, that long. I mean if you do steroids at all, you're at risk. But right. that's a little steroid uh background info there. Uh anyways. Uh Nathan, your number four pick. My number four is ooh yeah, Randy Savage. Ooh
1: yeah Randy Savage, folks. Savage uh, to a sleep, Jim. It's not much, uh, you know. Almost, almost goes without saying. Randy Savage. I, I want a uh, guy left the business, um, probably earlier than he could have because he saved his money, unlike a lot of other people. Uh, and he kinda <laughs> just had a humble life after that, like just, you know, settled down and bought a, bought a, bought a modest home and, and just, uh, lived his life. And he had like, you know, a full life after wrestling. Uh, I mean, he did die early. He had a heart attack while he was driving, which is, another you know, one, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, unbelievably graceful in the ring. His, his, uh, his elbow smash is a thing of beauty. It's one of those few, Finishers, one of those few moves I put up there with Shawn Michaels' super kick. I love it. Um, I love the super kick. I put yeah. up there with um,
0: the people's eyebrow.
1: <laughs> I want to say uh, I had another one for like the most beautiful moves ever in wrestling, but they smashed. the elbow smash, the ball just, and chain. He just floated in the air. It was like a, it was balletic, you know. I yeah. Mean, and he put on great matches. Probably put on the best, the first great match of all time, which was WrestleMania three again against Ricky Steamboat legendary okay. match yeah. some considered to be the greatest match of all time uh
0: ricky the dragon
1: and uh it was like that match was like wow you can do you can put on like a performance in the ring that's like this this athletic you know like very dramatic contest instead of just like guys going in the ring and punching each other hard and
0: yeah, there's, there's more elements to it, more acrobatics. It was like, wow, know. that's that's
1: pro wrestling, like that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And he was like the first guy to uh, really introduce
0: sort of like a high flying dynamic. So, uh
1: and great promos, unbelievable promos. Oh so, my pros, god, like, some
0: of the best promos you will ever come across. Mm-hmm. Him and the Warrior, but especially Salvage. He was out of his freaking mind. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: uh can't say enough about uh Randy Savage, but you know, he kinda speaks for himself and he's everyone knows Randy Savage pretty much. I mean he's a very well known character.
2: Oh
0: yeah. Savage uh is among my favorites too. I just sort of And I love his heel Macho King. The Macho phase. King, yeah. yeah. Sensational Sherry. Great team. Excellent team there. So that's all yeah, that's all I i He's need carrying to say. around his
1: golden scepter.
0: <laughs> 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 so uh holding.
2: All right, uh my number four, he kept calling himself the most electrifying man in sports entertainment until he willed it into actual being. Uh My number four is The Rock. If Good you point. smell what The Rock is cooking. Yeah, what I loved about The Rock is he, he probably had some of the best mic work of his generation. Um I mean he had his his popular sayings like you smell what the rock is cooking and and oh what did you just say and someone would talk to me like it doesn't matter what you say and then and uh Just bring it. He says that and then uh I mean all those things and then but even outside of those those uh one liners he had just plenty of great mic work and, and one and uh mm-hmm. And promos he had excellent promos, yep. um, he had the ability to make simple moves, look really special, like the people's elbow <laughs> yeah. is all about him Ridiculous. looking up into the crowd, raising his eyebrow, and then he'd just jump back and forth do a little shimmy, and then elbow somebody. But the way he did it was there was so much showmanship and and theater involved in it and mm-hmm. and he brought that to all sorts of stuff and uh, highly entertaining um so entertaining that he ended up becoming a, a legitimate hollywood star in legitimate actual action films even
1: more so than hollywood hogan way <laughs> actually
0: much more yeah i don't know thunder in paradise was quite the thrilling movie uh if you haven't seen it i what's highly weird, recommend it uh,
1: thunder Paradise wasn't
0: that a show I thought it was a TV show. Maybe it, uh, it, it could have been. Could've,
2: maybe it was both. Yeah, so but that was the one with the. I was just name dropping.
0: The he special oh, Mister yeah. Nanny was another good yeah. one. He had
1: the special boat. That's what actually brought him to WWE. He was like, "My show is failing." <laughs> 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 and Eric Bischoff was like, want to come to WWE, he was like, yeah, I probably should.'" <laughs> Uh, and,
0: uh, let's not forget, just to name drop one more time, that Hogan also did an excellent job as Thunderlips, the ultimate male <laughs> in Rocky 3. But, uh, hold on, I'll let you continue talking about The
2: Rock. Uh, well, I mean, not too much else to say. He moved along, he had a hell of a career, and now he's, he's using his youth king. to make way more money, although I guess this is, his life's not as physically demanding as it was. He also Before. still
1: uh, pays homage to where where he came from. He comes back to wrestling every now and again and sort of like as a
0: as a sort of nod
1: to yeah. the fans that got him there. So
0: Yeah, he's really good about Appreciative that. Appreciative about that. Um now, just uh to to wrap comics into this for a second, uh the Rock has just scored himself a big role with D C as the villain Black Adam in the upcoming Shazam movie. Uh, which is cool. He definitely looks the part. He's definitely gonna be good for that role. Uh, and I'm excited to see that movie. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they also, uh, the guy who played Putty, uh, in (laughs) Seinfeld is actually gonna play Shazam. It's supposed to be kind of like a, like a very lighthearted, like comedy action kind of movie. Wait, the guy who played Putty is gonna
2: be Shazam?
0: Yeah, not the the not Billy Babs and the child, but but when he turns into Shazam, yeah. Really? Yeah, and it's supposed to be like. How's that yeah.
2: even gonna work? I,
0: uh, I mean, he's a big enough guy, and he's he's really funny. I think it could. Is work. that
2: the guy who kept making the terrible oval teen joke?
0: No, 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 that's, no. That's, that's ben, Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, oh, that's bad. I'm yeah. getting
2: my Seinfeld characters mixed up. Yeah, Putty
0: was like that big guy that... You owe uh, me a dinner, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Not that guy. Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's like the big guy that uh, Elaine was dating for a long time. Oh,
2: didn't he play the tick?
0: He played the tick, yeah. I want that suit back,
2: Jerry. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, so Patrick Waterburton, then. I that, know his, that's I know his, his real name. name. That's yeah. his
0: name. Yeah, I didn't know his real name, so... Yes. Oh, but, yeah, okay. He's going to be Shazam, so... Uh, that'll be a cool movie. It's like I said, it's, it's gonna be one of those lighthearted, uh, comic book movies that, that have just started, uh, coming out nowadays that you haven't really, we haven't had, had that before. You know, like we mentioned in the earlier Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, podcast, you know, uh, how Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man were kind of like pioneer movies to, for like, you know, light-hearted. Uh, comedic comic book movies that we hadn 't really seen uh, prior to then so so this will be another one uh with a tone kind of like that uh and the rock will be playing the lead bad guy in that one so Ooh. so um but to get back on topic, I think this brings us to number three uh My number three is Kurt Angle. I love Kurt Angle always have uh, Wrestling's
1: only and first Olympic gold medalist,
0: yeah, you got a guy who um claims he i mean I, I never saw any of the footage, I believe it, uh but he you know he claims his big claim to fame is winning the Olympic gold medal uh with a broken neck. He did, and uh broken freaking neck yeah, he's like on top of it, I just remember him saying one time, like, and you know something else, I had the flu that day, not only did I break my neck, but I had the flu, and I still won but angle um is one of those uh unique characters. Uh, well, I mean, he's a real life person too. He's a real life champion of the, of the real sport of, of Greco-Roman wrestling. One of the
1: greatest actual wrestlers yeah. of all time.
0: One of the greatest athletes probably ever. But, um you got this character who's just incredibly cocky, incredibly... Arrogant? Arrogant, yeah. and he, and rightfully so. He has, he has the, uh, the chops to back it up. And Angle, you know, he was about 220 pounds and he was, he was still, you know, always fighting for the heavyweight title, going up against, you know, people like Triple H, uh, I mean, he went up against everybody. Uh, yeah.
1: At that time, The Rock, Austin, Jericho.
0: Yeah, Jericho and him had a great feud. Yeah. He's uh, a great
1: character too, like he, he did some funny, funny, segments in yeah. the
0: movie. I I loved his old stuff. Just, you know, Mr. Golden Boy, Mr. fucking making out with Stephanie, all that stuff. Oh it's yeah, a, yep, there's that. Uh the thing where uh yeah added-
1: I like when he was a dork.
0: I loved I like like that was my favorite Kurt Angle when he was like When he
1: was a dork. Yeah, he was just, like a geek instead of like the intense guy that he later became, but like he when he was like a geeky like a like,
0: like geeky like, a like 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 star-spangled jackass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a uh, geeky Captain America yeah. of pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I loved, uh, there, there really hadn't been, uh, a character like that on the WWE roster. Uh, I mean, there have been people that have used the whole patriotic theme before, but, uh, Angle certainly, you know, like I said, had the chops to really call himself like Mr. All America, you know, Mr. Olympian and all that. So, well, yeah. uh, very entertaining wrestler, uh, Somebody that knew what he was doing, was easy to work with in the ring. Uh, you know, and he had some great matches. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch, even still to this day, and, uh, with yeah. TNA. And he,
1: uh, yeah, still puts on unbelievable matches. Um, he was one of those guys. Actually, I mean, people say about Kurt Angle that, like, he he learned the business and learned how to wrestle pro wrestling faster than anybody ever. Like, he, he just, he was like a fish to water. Like he was, he came in and like within a year he was putting on like matches the quality of like a fifteen year vet, veteran of yeah. Boring. Like he 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 just he knew he picked it up and he like worked so hard to just get really good really fast and he was like his passion. It's sort of, he's he's a sort of a tragic figure in a way because he he came in and he's just like he's so motivated and so um goal oriented that. He was just like, oh, my goal now is to be the greatest pro wrestler of all time. Cause he was like, I'm going to be the, he like, you know, you're the greatest Olympic wrestler, wrestler. Yeah. like in the Olympics. He's like, I'm going to, I'm the best wrestler of all time. He's like, now I'm going to be the greatest pro wrestler of all time. Yeah. And then he had, you know, he worked too hard. He, uh, he had a lot of problems. He had neck issues. He started doing a lot of, taking a lot of pills, a lot of painkillers. Mm-hmm. Then WWE and he refused to take a vacation because He just wanted to keep working. And this is no fault of WWE. They made, they, they forcibly, like, released him. Wow. Because he w- refused to take a vacation. They were, like, worried he was going to die. That was, like, around the time a lot of wrestlers were dying. Really? Yeah, and then TNA picked him up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you want to work? Oh, we'll put you to work, yeah. Come well, work like,
1: over here. Like, oh, man. Uh, Kurt Angle, they just, like, oh, Kurt Angle, uh, let's, he's like, because he wants to wrestle too much.
2: <laughs> so Did you come here to wrestle? Let's grab him. And then
0: they the, the sort of like, oh, now he's going to, you know, OD on pain pills. I mean, they've, they've had documentaries on angle and I mean, if you watch some of his old footage training for, uh, the Olympics and stuff, the guy is just nuts. I've never seen any kind of motivation or determination like it. I mean, you'd see him literally like sprinting up these really steep hills in Pittsburgh with, you know, one of his buddies, like, on his back, he'd be carrying them, like, a firefighter would carry somebody out of a fire. And he'd just be running up and down this hill all day, like, you know. It, it you have just, to be
1: legitimately insane to be that good at wrestling. Like, I mean, we wrestled, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, the, kid, the kids
0: who were really good at it were like, you're, you're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta be, and I think that, that's sort of, you know, I equate that with a lot of UFC fighters too. Like, you know, if you want to, you know, be that caliber of an athlete uh and, and 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 compete at that level you pretty much have to be a person that constantly needs to compete is addictive to competing mm-hmm. addicted to competing and, and, and almost wants to hurt people for a living more so with with ufc than, than wwe yeah. wwe they don't get hurt unless there's an accident Right. Uh, well, there's ty- well of, typically. There's a ton of wear and tear There's there. wear, there's wear and tear, but, but, but no one should get physically injured unless there's an accident, really, which happens all the time. I think it's like but, what,
1: um, I want to say it was, uh, Jericho's book who said he met, uh, I want to say it was, uh, Jesse Ventura. And he said like, Oh, you want to be a pro wrestler? Like this is why he was really young. And he was like, he was like, um, all right. Well, as long as you, you're okay with, uh, waking up in pain every morning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they really, they really He's do having trouble getting out of bed. He's like, just be prepared for that. These guys get beat to hell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, uh, not sure where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. But basically, uh, Kurt Angle, uh, you, you'll never see. I mean, mankind can. I mean, Mick Foley. You, you can argue that he was probably just as dedicated, but you're not going to see many other uh, superstars with that amount of dedication than uh, some of, then those two guys, Angle and, uh, and, uh, Mick Foley. Um, yep. So yeah, my number three, Kurt Angle. Cool. Nathan. Uh, my number three, I always go back and forth.
1: I, like I told you last week, you guys last week, I, uh, transitioned my top three out depending on my mood. <laughs> so I think right now, <laughs> I'm feeling my number three is Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hannig.
0: Excellent choice. Kurt Hannig, uh,
1: another legitimate great wrestling uh, superstar, great collegiate wrestler, amazing, actual, actual great athlete of a wrestler. Uh, his gimmick was great. He was an uh, 80s wrestler. Uh, he was sort of a enhancement guy. He was sort of like the guy you have to beat to get to Hogan at that time. And yeah. That sort of like where the structure was, uh, for building characters. And, uh, one of the best in-ring athletes ever, but another guy who put on great matches, just Excellent performer, excellent excelling, great heel. He, uh, he sold other people's moves, uh, phenomenally, phenomenally. Um, and great on the mic. And he's a great character. He's just like a cocky, like, I'm perfect at everything. Yeah. Great, great vignettes. If you can look those up on YouTube, he has great vignettes of like him just shooting baskets and like from the, from like half court, just yeah. and like walking away for it from it as it goes in and things like that and like <laughs> throwing a football to himself, like <laughs> throwing it past and then running and catching it. Um and that was like his whole his whole gimmick. And he was also a great manager to Ric Flair.
2: He was Ric right. Flair's manager for Flair. That's a while. right.
1: Uh but yeah, Mr. Perfect had a certain attitude about him that was just uh very charismatic. And yeah, some of his matches are, are unparalleled. So, and a lot to say about Mr. Perfect. He's
0: another dead wrestler, correct? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately he died. He died,
1: he came back in about 2002. He was, they had this awesome Royal Rumble where it was after they bought out WCW mm-hmm. and they just brought in all these like old guys, like Kurt Hennig was there. Yeah, they brought Goldust back. They brought back all these old guys and much to Mr. Perfect's uh, traditional Royal Rumble status. They had him in the the final four in the ring because right? oh. he was in. He was always in the final four right. in a Royal Rumble. So they did that again when he was in. Awesome in like 2002. Awesome. And he put on great matches in 2002 before he died. Like right before he died. And I. He was one of those guys released from WWE. Probably got super depressed. He's in a lot of pain. OD'd on pain pills. So yeah, it's so one, no,
0: one of those bad stories. It's sad. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's almost uncanny how you see so many of these wrestlers, you know, a lot of times, like, when they die, they haven't been out of the ring that long. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, no, it's like this, when old people retire, you know, they have nothing to live for, and then they got no no purpose, and they just end up passing away soon after.
1: Actually, you know what? I'm wrong. It wasn't pills. I think it was cocaine.
0: Ooh, well. EOD on coke.
2: Oh well there's no way he was depressed when that happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well rest in peace, Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I guess uh you weren't so perfect after all, were you? <laughs> well uh, yes, that that was that was cold, I'm sorry. was <laughs> uh, as
2: perfect as a heart attack. <laughs> uh
0: right. Holden, who do you got for number three?
2: Number three. My number three. Uh in my mind one of the best heels of all time, Triple H. Uh, even though he had his time in the sun being a face with, uh, D Generation X and, uh, in the 90s and later on, uh, DX came back, but then there were mostly heels and he's spent his time being a heel for most of his career. Um, he doesn't really have too many one-liners. Um, he just, he's just like a real bastard and you just kind of (laughs) really love to hate him. And then now he's kind of. Worked things out and married the boss's daughter, and now he's in. uh, Now he's in the driver's seat. Uh, Talk about a guy
1: who's made a career.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like following the art of war, only taking over the wrestling business. (laughs) That's what a lot of people.
1: A lot of people suspect that of him. That like he sort of, you know, he he worked his way in. Like so, we're being like a glad hander, being like, "Oh yeah, all your ideas are great. Yeah, sure, sure, Vince." And and then he created like NXT and things like this that are like changing the business from the standards that you know they usually
0: you usually expect from WWE. Basically, placating the boss until he gets into a position of power. Right, change from within, sort of thing. yeah. Yeah. So, well, a lot of times Vince Vince can be very like close-minded anyways and he's very much like you know he'll a lot of times this works great when he brings like old ideas back to present day like especially in regards to promos and stuff like that from the 80s i talked a lot about uh you know playing towards stereotypes that's something that's still done today and it's still done very effectively uh but then there's a lot of other times where vince is stuck in old school uh mentality so i think it's good to have other uh, Types of management around that, yeah. That'll come up with new fresh ideas right. So uh, So yeah Triple H Also uh, uh, It's important to remember That he's a big action star As well Nowadays um, He had an amazing Breakout role In Blade Trinity <laughs> Where uh, He played the key role Of random vampire lackey <laughs> uh, It was very entertaining Uh I liked it. I th- I think that he should reprise that role uh, if they ever do another Blade. Uh although I think I think that Blade killed him. But uh I mean we could work him back in somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Have <laughs> oh, they
2: talked about making another one?
0: Yeah, there there's talk. Well, there's talk about it, but I think it's going to focus on Blade's daughter. I don't know. I wasn't really into it. I know the comic book that's coming out is Boo, f- Blade's daughter. Well, I don't know, like, I'm just into Blade, and I didn't even know he had a daughter, and, uh, I don't know.
2: Well, even even in the Marvel Universe, that character is kind of dropped off, like, Should you yeah, really have a book? Or are they going to just do another movie, and then, oh, hey, look, there's a book now. I think
0: that's what they're doing, I'm pretty sure. So be on the lookout for that, if that excites you, I don't know. <laughs> um... All right, so uh this is bringing us to number two. Number two. That's you, dude. Yeah, I know. Oh. I was doing my, like, dramatic pause. My number two. Wait for it. Do you hear the bells? They're starting to ring. <laughs> Ding. Ding. The Undertaker yeah my number two is the undertaker <laughs> um, oh that's who it is <laughs> yeah. the undertaker i mean we talked uh, we already talked to Blue streak about him, but i mean he's one of the most iconic characters for sure uh one of the most iconic wrestlers superstars whatever uh uh in the w w e ever uh you know when, when Taker debuted and he first started coming out to the ring, people were just awestruck at this guy. He's a mountain of a man. Uh, you know, he kinda had the whole, look at the size of this guy! Yeah. Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> and, uh, you kinda had this whole, the whole ghoul thing, like, or Grim Reaper thing. I don't know what you'd really call it, but with, like, the white face paint and, uh, mm-hmm. the hat and the long, like, overcoat, and it just was so cool. And uh you'd be throwing people in caskets and burying them alive, and just really cool gimmicky stuff uh that you don't really see nowadays too much. That also sh-
1: gimmicky stuff that probably should have failed and shouldn't have stood the test of time the way it did. Yeah, <laughs> with a less talented guy than Mark Calloway. Mark Calloway, yeah, uh, Undertaker's uh, real name. Yeah, he he um he took that idea and really ran with it. <laughs>
0: Now, one of my favorite periods that The Undertaker had was his dead man period. Uh where he uh came out to the ring uh in, on a motorcycle. Oh and, the American uh, badass. American badass, yeah, that's right. That's what I meant to say. Uh, he, and he was such an American badass too, I mean, you know, he had all the whole biker garb going on, and he came out in that motorcycle, and, and- Just
1: really abandoning anything that <laughs> made him popular.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that that was like the worst that was the one example of when uh a character had something great going on and they totally <laughs> reinvented themselves and made it horrible uh but he's reprised the role of the dead man it uh, was the
1: backlash from the great uh ministry of darkness undertaker yeah, yeah. that uh, after that it just like it was just like Uh, cause he, they went super intense with it and he's like, oh, he's he's believing uh, his own and gimmick and everything. And he's like going insane with power and all this stuff. And then, and then they're, then that storyline kind of just like eventually ended and they're just like, what do
2: we do with Undertaker? (laughs) Send him on a sabbatical. Send him on a sabbatical. How many times did, has he died? Has the character died? as part of the storyline and um, then and then be been reanimated
0: that's a, actually an interesting a question few. i mean i, th- I that's got to be at
2: least 5
1: <laughs> yeah he came back he had a match with like kane and uh, his brother kane and um i think you know they buried him alive or whatever <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh yeah he he came back that's you know, a buried alive match that. yeah he's been buried alive a couple times but uh You know, you
0: you haven't really made it in the wrestling business until you've been buried alive. That's true. That's when you know that you're really somebody. It's probably a fair statement. (laughs) Probably not
1: inaccurate at all.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love The Undertaker. Always have, always will, except for his American badass face. Yeah, probably (laughs) the
1: most respected um, person on the... I mean, definitely the most respected person in WWF, maybe, in the whole wrestling world. But, yeah absolutely Very well respected by everybody um, puts on great matches even in his getting older age. Yeah, jesus uh, how probably old? probably retiring uh, honestly he's probably retiring this year that's why he's doing like a, a full year run wow he's like i'm just going to go go out with a bang do a do an actual uh comeback do some full time work and or at least, you know, every pay-per-view do, do a match. Yeah, yeah. Just
2: like Derek
1: Jeter. Yeah, he's doing one big, one big last run and then, uh, he's probably, probably retiring, which he should. I mean, he's, he's, he's up there, man.
0: Yeah, I was wondering how old he is, uh, I mean, he's still in fucking amazing shape, pardon my French, uh, for somebody, uh, of, of, of his age and mm-hmm. he's been doing it for as long as him, but, uh, interesting to find out i gotta believe at the very least he's in his late 40s mm-hmm. early 50s maybe yeah. but uh kudos to him for yeah. being such an icon for such a long period of time uh so that's my number two cool uh nathan number two my number two depending on my mood today um a lot of people might not know him uh
1: brian pillman uh awesome awesome promo flying brian Flyin brian he's like awesome awesome promo guy uh Great in the ring, great worker. Um, more known for his promos. He he had the unfortunate um, uh, hand dealt to him that he was injured for a lot of his career. <laughs> like he had a broken leg. He had he's had a lot of injuries, had a lot of problems. Uh, but his promo work as a character, uh, he was just unbelievable. You can look up at some of his stuff. Unfortunately, pretty short career. But in that uh, short career, he made a definite impact on me. Uh, if you, look, especially his ECW debut promo was one of my favorite promos of all time. And, uh, died very young. Uh, he died, I think, in, I want to say 1997. Well, and, they, uh,
0: they say the, only the good wrestlers die young.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. And he's feuding with Goldust at the time. And he stole, stole, <laughs> I think he won. Gold thus wife, Marlena, and a match. <laughs> and he was sending him, like, videos of, like, uh in a hotel room with her and stuff. And and he died during that storyline, which is... You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. And he I OD'd uh, on pain pills. Damn, another one. Pillman. Pillman. Yeah. Uh, he, he
0: was a Pillman already. Right. Uh,
1: funny dude. Apparently very funny backstage, too. Delicious
0: irony. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> right? So, yeah, I mean, I... Unfortunately, I can't say more about him because he had a kind of a short career. But, I mean, I could go on and
2: on, but we're winding down. So, Holden. All right. Number two. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, This is when I first originally kind of got into wrestling uh, back in the late 90s. I hadn't really watched it much before that. Um, And here was this character who... Told his boss to go screw himself regularly. Mm-hmm. Would just be absolutely abusive. He did. He'd drive four wheelers up on Vince McMahon's limo and trap him in there, and then make him choke on the exhaust by revving the fourteen <laughs> wheeler. And or like the time he came in and he sprayed everyone in the ring with a beer truck. <laughs> um,
1: Such a good anti-hero character.
2: And at any number of times, he'd just show up. You'd hear the breaking glass, and you'd hear his entrance music, and he'd run into the ring. And it wouldn't matter how many people were in the ring. If he was interrupting a match, everyone would get the Stone Cold Sunner. it would be like he was like this invincible badass who just chugged beer (laughs) and would run his mouth, and nobody could tell him anything. And it was just awesome. Yeah, I had so a,
1: much fun watching him. He was the first guy who kind of, well, one of the first guys who was really like, well, after the NWO was like, should have been a heel in any, any other any other time period. He should have been a heel, but then he it transitioned to like the cool face, the cool exactly. good guy, yeah. Uh And he was just and he was like anti corporate
0: structure and like you know versus the, the corporate champ, yeah,
1: <laughs> anti Vince McMahon and he, yeah, feuded with Vince McMahon, feuded with the boss, and uh. That was the
0: first time that's really been done. The boss man needs to know who real boss is. <laughs> uh, so. um, can't really say enough about the guy. Um,
1: Transitions I, well into yours. <laughs> Your next last.
0: Well, well, yeah. Um, uh, Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin is is my number one. So that actually trans, uh, transgresses real real well into that. Um, so we can keep talking about him. Yeah, uh, Stone Cold, there's there's no other superstar that really has made me laugh out loud as many times, except for maybe Ric Flair, uh, than Stone Cold has. Mm-hmm. Um he's just, he's hilarious, you know? He, uh, gets on his four-wheeler, he drinks a few beers, uh, he runs over a few queers, <laughs> uh, shoots a few deers, he heads what? on. He heads on home. What? He, uh, fucks his wife. What? He, uh, beats his kids. What? He has a big ass bowl of chili. And then goes to sleep and gets on up the next day and does it all over again.
1: Great podcast too. He has a great podcast.
0: This yeah, time. I just learned
1: this. That that's Also on uh, the WWE Network. They have, a, they have a special video podcast on there too, but he also has the, his own.
0: Yeah, uh, I have to start listening to that because because I just love listening to the guy talk. He's so funny. He's great. I woke up this morning. Guess what I had me for breakfast? I had me one bear. What? <laughs> Two bears. What? Three bears. What? Four bears. That was
1: underrated what? <laughs> uh, underrated um, time period for Steve Austin when he was with the Alliance in the uh, the invasion period of WWE. Right. He yeah. WC. Yeah. Came and he yep. joined the WCW side, and he was like evil again <clears throat> he was like crazy like he was just like he like lost his mind kind of it was it was very funny he'd keep checking his watch and saying what
0: now i think the, fr- the first time austin took like a big sabbatical from the wwe was due to some creative differences i believe between him and vince uh, they weren't yeah. giving him enough
1: i think they want him to lose to brock lesnar and he got all huffy about it
0: Oh, maybe that was it. Well, you know, rightfully so. Stone Cold shouldn't be losing to anyone. And you know?
1: he regrets it now, though. He's gone on record as saying, like, he made a mistake. He was, he was,
0: uh he was. I think he was drinking a lot at the time. <laughs> I threw me a little hissy fit, had me a few dozen beers, then I realized I might have made a bad decision. But that's all right, because I'm still on Celebrity Deathmatch. I still got my podcast. <laughs> all right, give me a hell yeah, <laughs> Stone Cold. All right, so um, uh, let, let's uh, go around here and let's discuss everyone else's uh, number ones, because I, I, uh, I went through mine. Uh, my number one was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nathan, what do you got?
1: Uh, I have the man we introduced the show with, the theme song of Jake the Snake Roberts. Ooh, one of my favorites. Uh, very, very interesting man. Um, my favorite promos of all time, uh, he was very soft-spoken, because he had a theory about that, like if you speak softly. And with conviction, then everyone will listen. And he didn't need he didn't need to yell, which is a part of his thing. Where he, he didn't he didn't need to yell to get his point across. Very creepy, very creepy guy. And uh, he carried a snake with him. <laughs> as we all know this snake gimmick. I love that damn thing. The snake gimmick. I love that damn thing. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, he had a interesting, uh, weird, weird life. Um, he was the. Uh, his father was a wrestler who um was a scumbag. <laughs> <So> <laughs> a scumbag but uh i won't go into his childhood story but um because it's weird but he he had a dark dark past dark dark childhood bad upbringing and he got into wrestling not the most athletic wrestler in the ring good wrestler good ring psychology probably the master of ring psychology like knowing how mm. to work a match knowing how to like make an audience feel something um Yeah, that, which is important. Which is very important. He probably was, is the most brilliant man in wrestling at that, maybe aside from like, an honorable mention, Scott Hall. Mm. Uh, also great ring psychology. Um So. And uh, much like Scott Hall, uh, fell into a lot of addiction and is now doing much better with the help of Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> 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 help, uh, help him get clean and everything and he was inducted in the Hall of Fame, which I'm very very, very happy for him for that. And uh he had uh if you've ever seen the movie Beyond the Mat, then he Which was is a
0: must see for anyone who's into wrestling he's by the him, way. Tim
1: McFoley was featured on that and uh yeah, so he uh, he's had some major, major struggles throughout the years. But yeah, great promo guy, great talker. And he was another one of those guys who just uh just had such great promos with like the undertaker and the ultimate warrior those brilliant vignettes of where he's training the ultimate warrior to wrestle the undertaker
0: yeah i remember those
1: up those are spectacular so yes my number one is jake the snake
2: roberts awesome uh holden who do you have all right uh my number one is the man who came out and said in order to be the man you have to beat the man the man who will go on about how Space Mountain might be one of the oldest rides, but it still is the longest line. <laughs> the nature boy, Ric Flair. Uh, that Ooh. guy, he's been doing what he's been doing for just forever. He'd probably still be doing professional wrestling if he weren't just so old. Yeah. Um, he wants to I- die in the ring. <laughs>
1: I mean I'm either gonna die in the ring or on top of a wild woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah,
2: mean he's
0: famous for awesome quotations like that. D- he's too. probably
2: got the best mic work out of anyone ever. Probably. Um yeah. just extremely entertaining. Uh I mean there's I mean, I don't know. I'm kinda speechless. I mean there's there's a lot to say, Flair. but just, there's a uh, you know I mean it's another
1: guy who speaks for himself, you know, is, is the promo guy is just his promo work is just um is is unparalleled. It, just just he, li-
0: he is the ability to just get so intense yeah. to the point where he's really popping a blood vessel on his forehead.
1: Also lived his gimmick. Um he was like just spent a lot of money. All the time, <laughs> he, he was just uh, li- lived in luxury all the time, even though it was like way outside his price range.
2: <laughs> well, I think he's doing all right now. No, he's doing all
1: right. I mean, he has to pay alimony to about six different women. And, <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, he's been married and divorced a few times. But yeah, he. um Well, one of the reasons he came back to wrestling a few times was, I think, for money. Because <laughs> he was,
2: yeah. No, no. But I much. mean, he's just such an asset with the mic. That mm. like, if he really wanted to, he could be part of the industry until he does die.
1: Yeah. Oh, they would find a place He'll, for Flair, and he is. Yeah. I mean, he's like a he's like a lifer. He's like in WWE now for. He's a two-time Hall of Famer, which is a weird. How, yeah. do, they, how do they manage
2: that? I didn't know that. Because
1: he and separately, the four horsemen were inducted separately. Um. So he has two Hall of Fame rings. So like the, the faction he was in. It's like if the NWO got inducted into also. Right. Kevin Nash or
0: whatever. Right. So, yep.
1: Yeah. Ric Flair, man.
0: Uh, hell of a showman, hell of a wrestler, uh, decorated WWE, um champion multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the real, uh, figureheads of the business, I'd say, you know, along with Hogan. Holds the record, 16 time uh, world champion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you think of WWE, he's definitely one of the people that comes to mind along with Hogan and Savage and uh you know, some of the Attitude Era guys too, and of course Vince McMahon. Uh so yeah. Uh yeah,
1: that was like the old dispute was like Hulk Hogan was like the most famous wrestler and Ric Flair was like the best wrestler. The like best the, wrestler, yeah. The most the you know, the
0: wrestling fans wrestler. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Hogan was, uh, what drew all the, the children to yeah. the, the, the pop
2: culture guy. The pop
0: culture crowd, yeah. Uh, oh, very interesting though, uh, I think we, uh, we had some great picks today, guys. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: honorable mentions, Shawn Michaels, best in-ring performer of all time. CM absolutely. Punk. Yep. CM Punk, Punk. I want to say, best, probably best, some of the best promos ever. Uh, yeah, Scott Hall
2: I mentioned.
0: Rick Rude. Ravishing Rick Rude is somebody we probably should have had on someone's list. I would but. I would have on maybe a different day. But yep. Yeah. Uh,
2: M- maybe a longer list. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh we mentioned Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. Uh obviously uh he's up there. Uh, we talked about Jeff Jarrett, uh Dusty Rhodes we mentioned. Uh Yeah. Pfft. Any other honorable mentions you guys can think of?
1: I I mean I could but I <laughs> we'd be here all day.
2: Yeah. I mean I think we we I think we covered a good we covered uh, most of them. the a Road good Warriors. Hit.
0: Yeah. I mean the Road Warriors yeah. were a great tag team. Yeah. I mean we could we could be here all day I and mean, then if if we if we did a segment just on managers too. I mean
1: Oh, I forgot. I totally forgot uh, someone I probably should have had in my Mouth top 5. South? No, no. This is a weird one. Tajiri. Oh. I'm just going to mention him real quick but Tajiri, man I loved Tij- The Cruiserweight G- yeah wow. uh Japanese wrestler best kicks man best kicks in the world uh but yeah very exciting match with Tajiri, so um he'll be an honorable mention today but he on another day maybe a top fiver.
2: Hey, well you you did say how uh your top 5 fluctuates on every given minute of Yeah <laughs> depending on my mood. So, well.
0: Yeah so I suppose um you know, in regards to wrestlers, I think we covered a lot of ground uh for managers you know i I'd probably just plug uh mouth of mouth of the South Jimmy Hart and uh Bobby the brain heenan among maybe i don't know paul bearer uh there's always been a there's been a lot of great managers yep. too, but those are probably the most infamous ones heenan and Heyman are my uh, and two Hayman best, yeah two best managers and maybe sherry and sherry but uh I don't know this has been a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll come a point in time where we, uh, cover the WWE again. Uh, but I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I want to thank Nathan for supplying us with his extensive wrestling knowledge today. Um, and next week be, uh, on call for, uh, our episode we will have on image comics. We'll discuss Image Comics titles, a little bit of background on the company, uh, and Todd McFarlane uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, this is another episode concluded. My name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. With me, as always, is... Holden Arm. Of Vigilant Geek Media. And also, special guest today, Nathan Burke. Thank you. We want to thank you all for listening And as always, stay vigilant.